Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2017. It is Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And as the weather starts to get colder here in the Northeast and, and get your real heavy winter jackets wherever you are, if you're here in Philly or anywhere between Philly and, and Boston and further up, you're going to need them this weekend. It's going to get very cold. As we get very, very cold, it's a reminder that the Red Sox are no longer playing. Baseball season is over. Football, basketball, season hockey are still going, so we've got something to look forward to. But baseball for the year is over. They go into hibernation over the winter, and we won't see them again until February. But what are the Boston Red Sox going to look like when they break spring training and start on opening day next April? That's the focus of today's podcast. It is Red Sox off-season outlook day, preview day, whatever you want to call it. We will take a look at the Red Sox roster from top to bottom, look at some potential free agents, trades, etc. that have been rumored that could be made, and try to give an idea of, of what the Red Sox are going to do this offseason. So to start, the Red Sox biggest move of the offseason has probably already been made, and that's hiring Alex Cora as their new manager after John Farrell was dismissed after the playoff exit. Uh, Cora's coaching staff is starting to come together a little bit with Tim Hires being added as hitting coach. Uh, Dana Levandre retained in the bullpen. He's still got a pitching coach to, 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 to retain and a bench coach to hire, but that will come soon enough. So with that being said, like I said, the, the Red Sox biggest move this offseason is probably already done. Uh, but with that being said, what are they going to do on the field? What are some issues that they have? Where can they go? And how are they going to fill them? Well, let's start off with, with how the team was last year. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that the Red Sox, on the whole, if you look at just 2017 in a vacuum, the Red Sox were pretty good. 93 wins, 69 losses in the year after David Ortiz retired from the team. It was their first year since 2002 playing an inning without David Ortiz either on the team, in the lineup, on the disabled list, whatever the case may be. And when you lose an icon like that, you know, I, I think, te you know, generally you, you tend to struggle at least for out of the gate and at least for a year trying to replace that person. And, and the Red Sox very clearly had trouble replacing David Ortiz last year. They struggled to hit home runs all season long, which has been well documented. They did not have the same kind of big bopper run producer in the middle of the lineup. Part of that can be blamed on injury. I mean, Hanley Ramirez basically played the entire year hurt, was not the same guy uh, that you know that he could have been. He started to get healthy down the stretch, obviously had a very good playoffs, but the Red Sox uh, did struggle to, to, to replace Ortiz. But on the whole, even with that struggle, I mean, they won 93 games, and they won the division for the second consecutive season. The Red Sox, by the way, had never done that before. They had never won division titles in two consecutive seasons. So if you look at 2017 in a vacuum for the Red Sox, they really don't look that bad. But when you start kind of building on that, and when you start adding pieces to the puzzle, when you start looking at what they did in 2016, when you start looking at the contracts that they have, when you start looking at... Uh, you know, the farm system, the state of the farm system, and, and, and what guys are on the horizon for the Red Sox, the picture starts to look a little bit more bleak. In 2016, I, I don't remember the exact win total. I think it was something more like 94, 95 games that they won. 
So the win total went a little bit backward in 2000, 2017. The team as a whole, I've said it before in the podcast, I'll say it again now. I still think the 2017 team underachieved relative to what they could have been. I think they could have been at least two or three, if not more games better than they were. You know, they, they could have been a 96, 97 win team with some better pitching performances. Uh, you know, some 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 better, you know, some better injury, I guess, injury results, some better some better hitting at times. I think that the, the team as a whole underachieved, and when you look individually at how these guys played, you, you really can't. You can't pick out too many guys who overachieved relative to position. I mean, Christian Vasquez very clearly did. You know, Craig Kimbrell very clearly did. Drew Pomeranz certainly did. But but after you get past, and maybe Rafael Devers did for his half season. But after you get past that, I don't really know if there's too many guys on the team who overachieved and significantly overachieved based on what they expected. I, you, you could throw, you can give, you know, I'll give you Andrew Benintendi if you want to throw him in there. Pretty solid first full year for him. But other than that, even Mookie Betts. I mean, Mookie, who I, I, is the most important guy on the team offensively and potentially defensively as well, and now has a Gold Glove to go with uh, all of the accolades from last season. Uh, even he didn't really overachieve last year. He actually regressed a little bit. Still had a really good season but actually regressed from where he was in 2016. So, again, once you start looking at individual performances and thinking of where the Red Sox were versus where they are now, the picture, like I said, it starts to become a little a little more bleak and a little bit more of a team that's that, that may be in the early stages of decline. So they got to do something to beef this up. And certainly... When you look at the con- you know you, you look at the contracts that they have, they've got some contracts on the books right now that really don't look all that great. They they looked good maybe two years ago. They don't look all that great right now. I mean Dustin Pedroia and you know no one will blame the front office for giving Dustin Pedroia the deal that they gave him a couple years ago, which continues to be under market. And uh, you know if if you can get a healthy Dustin at second base, then it's still a really good contract, but the fact of the matter is, you're not going to get a a healthy Dustin Pedroia at second base, at least probably until mid-season 2018. And by the way, he will play 2018 at 35 years old, which seems ridiculous when you think of Dustin Pedroia kind of bursting onto the scene back in 2006-2007 as a 22-23 year old rookie, but Pedroia will reach 35 years of age during 2000, 2018. And so you wonder, he's under contract for another four years beyond 2018. Or maybe it's four years including 2018. He's either under contract through 2021 or 2022. And, you know, the fact of, of, of all these injuries, have they taken a, toll, taken a toll on Dustin Pedroia? That contract, the value on that contract doesn't seem to be as great as it used to be. David Price can opt out after 2018 and the Red Sox have a pretty big dilemma on their hands if he comes back into the rotation and has a big year this year if 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 he comes back into the rotation and has a big year he almost certainly is going to opt out of that contract and you know the Red Sox are going to be in the position of do we re 
sign the guy, do we pay him an awful lot more money? We know what happened or, or what can happen with him. He's had some injury issues. He's had some inconsistency issues. He's had some problems dealing with the Boston fans and the Boston media. You know, there, there's a lot of uncertainty there when you think of that contract. They owe Rick Porcello something along the lines of another $45 million for 2018 and 2019. And after 2016, when he won the Cy Young, that contract looked pretty good. You thought you had a front-of-the-line front rotation starter. How do you feel about it now? How do you feel about, 2000, about it now after 2017, which was a disaster for Rick Porcello? You owe him another $45 million over the next two years. And oh, by the way, you owe Pablo Sandoval another $49 million to not play for you through 2019-2020. So, again, the, the, the Red Sox financial picture starts to look a lot more bleak. And I'm bringing this up only to think about, I mean, I, I, when we talk about some of these free agents that the Red Sox are courting, quote-unquote, or thinking of bringing in, you have to think about where they are financially with some of these other guys and if that is either going to factor into their decision to pay big money or cloud their thinking as to whether or not they ought to pay big money to big free agents because some of these contracts don't look that good anymore. They just don't. Now, Dave Dombrowski has said the Red Sox will go over the luxury tax threshold in 2018 if they have to. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that and certainly the Red Sox can afford it, but... That's the background, the financial background from where the Red Sox are coming from right now. So with all that being said, given an idea of what the Red Sox are going to look like in the future, what can we expect in 2018? Here are the areas I think they need to address. Number one, they got to go figure out first base. They got to figure out first base. And it's not going to be Mitch Moreland. They're not going to bring him back. I don't think. It's probably not going to be Hanley Ramirez either. Even though Hanley, I mean, if, if, when he was healthy in 2016, Hanley actually handled the position pretty well. And that being said, I mean, he's getting on in years too, that, which seems ridiculous to say. But Hanley is getting older too, and to expect that he's going to be your everyday first baseman for 2018 and 2019, I'm not so sure they can really count on that. I mean, the Red Sox need a guy who can come in, hold down first base, and be that guy for the next several years. Because, you know, Sam Travis is sitting there in the minors. Sam Travis was okay in 2017. I mean, if you want, you could do a short-term deal for 2018, but you're going to have to figure, that, figure out that position very quickly. And I'm not sure if Sam Travis is really the guy. I'm not sure the Red Sox think Sam Travis is really the guy. I mean, I realize he you know, he didn't get a lot of opportunities to play in 2017 because Moreland started out pretty hot. And, uh, and, and you know, he had a pretty good first half of the season, so they decided they were going to go with Moreland all season long. But even when Moreland really started to struggle in the summer, he didn't see Travis play a ton. He wasn't brought up here. He didn't play a bunch. I, I don't think they think, you know... I don't think the Red Sox are all that high on Sam Travis. Maybe the past kind of administration with Ben Sherrington was higher than Dabrowski is and those guys. I don't think it's going to be Sam Travis. So if it's not going to be Sam Travis, you got to go figure out first base. Whether that's through 
a trade or a free agent. And that brings me to Eric Hosmer. Now, I don't know what Eric Hosmer is going to cost. I'm not a, 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 a free agent guru, and I know there's there's guesses all over the place as to what, what it's going to take to sign the guy. But Eric Hosmer, to me, is a pretty darn good fit. I realize, you know, that they'd rather have somebody right-handed, I guess, with some pop. With some pop. But Hosmer's got a good glove. He's young. He is experienced, even though he is young. I mean, he's won a World Series with 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 the Royals. He's been in another one. The Royals are not going to keep him. And there are not going to be that many other teams out there that are looking for first base help and and can pay for it the way that the Red Sox can. I'm not saying there won't be other teams in the market for him. There very clearly will be. St. Louis is a team that comes to mind. But are there going to be that many many teams out there that are willing to pay what Hosmer is going to command the way that the Red Sox can? So, you know, the, the rumor is that the Red Sox are already going to be after this guy. I think he's a pretty good fit. I like his glove. I like his game. I mean, I know advanced statistics don't love Eric Hosmer. They think his glove might be a little overrated. They think he's an average hitter at best. But put him in Fenway Park, and all of a sudden those numbers, I think, start to look a little bit better. You know, remember that Fenway is 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 very much a hitter's ballpark, even for lefties. If you want to go, I mean, especially if you want to go the other way, you got the wall there. But even for left-handed hitters, Fenway's a So I'm higher on Hosmer than a lot. I think he's got a good makeup. I think he's a good teammate. You know, the team down in San, in uh, Kansas City was very tight, and Hosmer was a, was a big reason for that. And if it, I think if you put him in the Red Sox clubhouse, he could add something uh, from that perspective, too. I think the intangibles are high on this guy. So... I am all in on Eric Hosmer, quite frankly. And a little tidbit for you. I don't know if this is going to switch way this, quite frankly, would sway it. But little tidbit, not that I'm a gossip reporter, but Eric Hosmer, when, when a few years ago when she was still there, dated Casey McDonnell, who is the Nesson reporter, uh, one of the sideline reporters for the Red Sox, and, and you see her in, in the uh, – in, in, in the booth and, and in the studio too on, on certain things. So I don't know if that's going to play in favor of Hosmer or against it. I don't know how that relationship ended, but just a, just a little tidbit that you're not going to get anywhere else. This is there's some breaking news here on the wicked awesome Boston sports podcast that Hosmer and Casey McDonald used to date. There's a picture of her kissing him when they won the right, right after they won the world series in 2015 on the field. So just a little tidbit there. Not sure if you're interested or not, but that's the thing on Hosmer. Anyway, so I'm all in on Eric Hosmer because I think the Red Sox need to figure this thing out at first base, and I think he could be the guy for them. I am not at all all in on J.D. Martinez. Not at all. And if there's two guys that are most connected to the Red Sox in free agency, it's Hosmer and Martinez. Uh, And it's nothing against Martinez. I think he's a good hitter. I don't think he's the spectacular hitter that he showed down the stretch in Arizona last year. I'm just not high on this guy because it's going to push somebody else out in the outfield. And I think you'd be paying an awful lot. Number one, you're going to push somebody out of the outfield because he can't play anywhere else. He can't play first. 
If you DH him, then you're making Hanley play every day at first, which I think is unfair to him. And if you put him in the outfield, then you've got to sit one of Betts Bradley and Benintendi. And it's probably Jackie Bradley that sits. So if you bring in, I mean, if you bring in J.D. Martinez as a free agent, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to trade Jackie Bradley. And I would hate to see that happen, given how good of a center fielder that the guy is. But uh, I, I, more than that, I just think it, it's going to cost an awful lot of money to go get J.D. Martinez, probably more than it's going to cost for Hosmer because he hits more home runs, or at least he's thought of as hitting more home runs. And it's nothing against Martinez. Hey, if he can get that kind of money, go get it. I'm all for, I'm all for that. Players should be getting as much money as they possibly can while they can. All for it from Martinez's perspective. But if the Red Sox pony up a ton of money for him, I think they're making a... This, it, I, I, I just I don't see the consistency and the track record in him that makes me think they should sacrifice a huge defensive asset like Jackie Bradley, who is still young, by the way, and still has time to grow, for somebody like J.D. Martinez. So, I mean, I can see paying big money to a guy like Hosmer who solves a problem for both now and the foreseeable future. I just don't think J.D. Martinez solves a big problem in the same way that uh, another more consistent power hitter would. I mean, if, if Giancarlo Stanton was a free agent, and we'll get to him in a second, if he was a free agent, then I'd say, yeah, go pony up and get him. Go pay a lot of money to go get him. I would be more comfortable moving Bradley in that scenario because I'm more confident what Stanton brings to the table than I am Martinez. You know, I'll go historical on this. If you were going and getting, say, a guy like Albert Bell or, or somebody like, you know, with, with, with that those kind of power numbers, or Barry Bonds or, or Ken Griffey Jr., maybe Bell and Bonds without the distractions, just take their power, just take their power numbers and numbers in isolation there. Uh, but Griffey, somebody like Griffey with the power that he had. And I know I'm really, you know, I'm getting really historical now. And I know, you know, if Ken Griffey Jr. in his prime right now might be a $400, $500 million player. But why are you going to sacrifice, you know, some a, a, a big asset like Jackie Bradley? And I know he's going to net you something in a trade. For J.D. Martinez, who's going to cost a fortune this season and just does not have the power potential that, uh, that, that a lot of other guys in the past have had. Particularly particularly when the 2018 free agent class looks a lot stronger top to bottom and gives you power potential and more consistent power potential in the outfield. Remember that this 2018 free agent class is loaded. <clears throat> One of the most loaded free agent classes in Major League Baseball history. And it's got a few big names in the outfield. If you want to go get power in the outfield, you can go get it. The most, notably, the most notable name out there is Bryce Harper, obviously. But uh, Harper, of course, is going to be pursued by pretty much every team that can afford him. But the point is, and he's not the only one, though. The, the point is, if you want to go get power in your outfield, you can wait a year and get it. I mean, you can bring in a guy like Hosmer who's going to add power to your lineup. You can go trade for somebody else in the infield or something like that. You don't need to add somebody on a big, big free agent contract who lacks the, the, the consistency or power consistency in his career 
that some other guys would have, would otherwise have in the following year or maybe years after that. I would say, you know, go back into the year with the outfield that you have. Hope for an improvement from Benintendi, who already had a solid rookie year. Kid's bound to get a little bit better as he gets more experience. Hope for another good year for Mookie Betts, maybe a little bit better of a year than what he had last year, more along the lines of 2016 versus 2017, which, by the way, was still a good year for him. Give Bradley one more year at least to see if the offense comes along. Because if the offense comes along with Jackie, at least even, I mean, even marginally, if he gives you 10% more offense than what he's given you, Jackie Bradley's a, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an eight-figure player easy. Easy, based on his defense. Give it another year in the outfield. And if you don't like what you have after 2018, I mean, if you have a, a repeat offensive, you know, offensive struggle in 2018, then go out and address it via free agency. Then go get somebody for the following year. But, you know, I think paying J.D. Martinez all that money this year is a big mistake. And it's nothing against Martinez. I just don't think the roster as it is constructed right now, I don't see him fitting one and as a, a big enough prize or a big enough asset to force dropping Bradley and to force mixing everything else up in the outfield. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about that one. I like Hosmer. I'm not crazy about Martinez for the reasons that I said. The other guy that the Red Sox are tied to almost inevitably is Mike Stanton. I'm sorry, Giancarlo Stanton, who I've already talked about. And I just realized this is going a little... The, the, the drive was pretty easy. We may have to extend this into another day. And fortunately, you know, maybe we'll do a Red Sox offseason outlook part two because I'm almost at work. I'm not going to have time to get to the pitching today, but that's okay. Uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll extend this into another day at some point here. Uh, but to finish up to, to finish up today, we'll start. Let's let's talk about Stan. It's it's widely known that the 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 Marlins are going to make Mike or I keep calling him Mike Stanton going to make John Carlos Stanton available in a trade. That shouldn't surprise anybody. It does not surprise me in the least. They paid him all kinds of money a few years ago and have gone absolutely nowhere and are going nowhere fast. They don't have the pitching down there. They don't have the infrastructure. You know, fan, you know, I got a brand new stadium and nobody goes. You know, new ownership group comes in, led by Derek Jeter. It, sh it should surprise nobody that they want to trade this guy. And I realize he's a star, and you don't usually trade stars, but you know, they're going nowhere fast with that albatross hanging over their head. So where is he going to go? I mean, you're, 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 he's got this huge contract. He's undoubtedly a star. He's the game's best power hitter. You want power, well, Stanton's the guy. He gives it to you in spades. He's not a supremely good defender. Not an amazing runner. He strikes out a ton. But if you put him in a lineup with a bunch of other good hitters, well, I mean, you saw what he did in Miami last year. Mashing over 50, got close, got close to 60. You're seeing what he's done over the course of his career. I mean, he's done one thing extraordinarily well for his entire career, and that's hit home runs. You want power, he's your guy. And there aren't that many teams that, that can really take him and, and afford the contract. The Red Sox are one. 
the Yankees are another, obviously. The Cardinals are the team that potentially most think he could wind up with because they have some prospects to send back. But look at it from the Red Sox perspective for, for a second. Just look at look at the possibility. I mean, everybody's talking, well, he's, he's a great fit in Boston. First of all, he's got a no-trade clause. He's got a full no-trade clause, and he's from California. Does he want to go from Miami, the hot spot that he really likes, to Boston, where the winters are cold, even the springs and the falls are cold, and it's far away from his home in California? Some are saying he might veto a trade there. I'm not so certain that's the case. I think the Red Sox, if, if they were able to swing a deal for Stanton, I think their people could talk 